welcome to Dateline New Haven on WNHHFM, New Haven's home for community radio. I'm Paul Bass, your host, inviting you to look behind the headlines on the stories that make New Haven tick. Well, today we got headlines and baselines. Some of the latest headlines from the New Haven Independent, a little light commentary, and then into music to keep our Thursday moving forward. I'll tell you the big headline, and also today... We're going to have the commentary from New Haven Independent readers. I'm going to be reading selected comments about the headlines and some of the hot stories in town. So thanks for joining us on that. We're going to have Grits King. He's a local jazz, uh, smooth jazz musician. He has Saving Time. It's a track I really like from a recent album in the background here. The headline of the day, folks, is Bowtie Movie Theater's Future Looks Dark. New Haven's last movie theater. Let's play some good movies. Criterion Cinemas at the uh, corner of George and Temple Street. Tom Breen broke the story that it's probably going to be closing at the end of August, barring some last-minute change. New Haven's losing its last movie theater. Here's what some of the New Haven Independent readers had to say about it. Commenter Worried said, I was there the other week for Asteroid City. Ugh, don't get me started on that. It was the first time I'd been there in years, and I'm not going to lie... It's really not a good movie theater. They mostly play multiplex movies, but the screens are small, the sound is shit, and the seats are super unforgiving for someone with long legs. Uh, I personally don't read that last part. It's a real shame we don't have a real art house theater, a place to see international film or older classics on the big screen. When you see the amount of culture other college towns enjoy is flabbergasting why everything has to be mediocre here. Do yourself a favor and travel a little. See how much there is. Well, the Madcap says, well, this news sucks. I love the Criterion. I don't need crazy movie theaters like North Haven. Criterion is cozy. Average taxpayer who uh, lives and works downtown says, gosh, horrible to think of New Haven without a movie theater. Is the entire building for sale? Is the theater space available for lease? The theater space could move, work well as a multi-use space. Concerts, plays, movies, comedy. Plenty of room to install a restaurant and real bar. A nonprofit can make a go of it or a different private operator. Here's what Christian McNamara, a commenter, said. The Barbieheimer movie mania is the exception that proves the rule. People aren't going to theaters to see serious movies for grown-ups anymore. When they turn up at theaters at all, it's for superhero franchises and kids' movies. If that's what you're going to see, Cinemark in North Haven is a much better set of theaters. Better parking, better concessions, better seating, better screens, better sound. What allowed Cine 4 and Bowtie to compete was that they showed interesting films that Cinemark would never touch. The people no longer interested in going to theaters to see these type of films, the handwriting was on the wall. If I had my way, they'd keep the two small side screens in operation and use them to show interesting films to the small groups of people who still show up for them. They could turn the rest of the facility into whatever, restaurant, bar, whatever works. Which in the kitchen, which in the kitchen writes, I love this theater. It was comfortable with no reserved seating and plenty of good film choices. I saw many indie films there. Films I would not have been able to see elsewhere. There's a real loss for New Haven. Although I'm guessing this person has Netflix, but Kay Whitehead said it's true. Criterion isn't great, but it's the only theater we have. It's hard to fathom that New Haven will be without a proper movie theater. This combined with the dumbing down of Cafe 9 is making entertainment hard to come by in this town. I just say I was at Cafe 9. It's not being dumbed down. It is being changed. Um, I find that selection interesting. You know, Bowtie 
New Haven made a decision not to do an innovative theater there. When they had the opportunity, they had Arnold Gorlick in town, who was the manager at the at the York Square at the time. And he could have done the theater. There was a deal going, but there were corrupt politics at the time. And they had a deal with somebody who then blew it with Arnold. He went to Madison and did the Madison Art Cinemas, which are terrific. And then eventually, when the original deal fell through with a guy named Bob Matthews, who this he was a corrupt developer, who was getting all these deals in town at the time, he just got convicted this week for his latest scam in Florida, multi-million dollar scam. But then they gave it to Bowtie Cinemas, who saw they're a national chain, and they're not as good. The theaters aren't as good. They're a little junky, but they used it as a lost leader, I believe, for the apartments above, because New Haven apartments are hot. So we'll see what happens with that. I don't know if it ever made sense the way they ran it, but I was always glad it was there. There's something different about seeing a movie on a big screen around other people. It's when I saw um, Everywhere, Everything, All at Once, it was really intense in a way. It's not on a small screen. You get out of the house, you see people. And even though it was a poorly run theater, I don't agree the person says use the small screens for independent films because those are the worst screens with the worst sound. But I saw the Barbie movie and loved it. And seeing it on a big screen with those with those dance numbers and the great setting, sort of like in the Wes Anderson movies too, there is something about being enveloped by it. You are transported to a different place. And it really is cinema not to get hoity-toity rather than watching a movie on a small screen. So I'm sorry that happened. I love some of the ideas people have. I'd love to see the city get uh, Keith Baller, the guy who did the Coliseum Music Hall so well and the Westville Music Bowl. I agree, let's see if there's someone who could do something creative with all those theaters, have some maybe live music in a few, if it doesn't have to go too late to bother people living upstairs, have some screens for movies, maybe have some plays there. Wouldn't that be kind of interesting? I think, you know, you can build out, Long Wharf's looking for a place they can't really afford a home under their model. Anyway, it's sad, it's an opportunity. It, the sky is not falling, New Haven's still a great, fun, happening place. And it's big news. Never never really had a good feeling, I gotta admit, about Bowtie. They weren't horrible, they weren't venal, they weren't corrupt. They just, they didn't really care about us and they didn't really put their heart into making a special place. They didn't really get New Haven. And it's, not, it's a hard location with the overhang of the Temple Square garage. People don't really, Kelsey Garage, people don't really walk there much, but it's still, it was nice to have. And if it's not viable as a business, we've been creative in New Haven. We find viable solutions to spaces like Exhibit A, Kashi Music Hall. That failed as the palace, but it's succeeding now as that. Sermon over, but in honor of the last movies at the Criterion, I'm going to play John Prine's song, Picture Show. A young man from a small town with a very large imagination Lay alone in his room with his radio on Looking for another station When the static from the mouthpiece Gave away to the sound below James Dean went out to Hollywood And put his picture in a picture show James Dean went out to Hollywood And put his picture in a picture show And it's old daddy Get off of your knees, mama, why'd you have to go? Your darling Jim is out on a limb. I put my picture in a picture show. Oh, oh, my picture in a picture show. Hamburgers, cheeseburgers, Wilbur and Orville Wright. John Garfield in the afternoon. Montgomery Cliff tonight. 
Your show by John Prine, WNHHFM. You listen to headlines and baselines on Bitline New Haven. The latest news, commentary from our commenters on the Independent, and some tunes to help glide our path as we head toward the weekend. James Dean went off to Hollywood, put his picture in a picture show. I love that one. And sad to see the Criterion go, but you know, when one door opens, closes, another one opens. There's another headline on the homepage of the New Haven Independent about something that's going the other direction. Next stop, San Juan. You know, as we said about, you know, we need a movie theater downtown. Is it say we don't have one? Something we didn't have a year and a half ago. Something that some people, not everyone in New Haven, thought New Haven should have. There's an airport that flies you places. We, a year and a half ago, we didn't fly commercial flights anywhere out of Sweet New Haven. We are now going to have our 18th city, 18, in just a year and a half that we fly nonstop to at least a couple times a week. And that's going to be San Juan, Puerto Rico. What a great place to be flying if you're okay with flying. Some people aren't. I'm not a big flyer personally. But big Puerto Rican population, New Haven, that's sort of like our sister community for a lot of people. And that's the news. They announced it this week. It's going to be Wednesdays and Saturdays nonstop starting November 15th. Commenter Vito Rabinowitz, who actually has a different name. I won't say the name. He writes, as a comment to the story in the Independence, such wonderful news, four exclamation points. I am convelling three exclamation points and another period. No longer will I have to schlep up to Bradley when I need to fly out to Puerto Rico 
La Isla del Encanto. A suggestion to the Avello airline folks. When are we going to get direct flights to Cuba? What a great way to promote tourism, citizen diplomacy, and commerce. Just think, we could be sending daily shipments of one of New Haven's finest products, cannolis. As that famous Cuban revolutionary and chess player so eloquently stated, we are realists, but we dream the impossible. Next stop, Havana. Stop after that, North Korea. Either way, as Mahalia Jackson sang and will sing now, I am on my way. I'm on my way to Canaan land. I'm on my way oh, to Canaan land. On my way. On my way, glory, hallelujah, I'm on my way. Well, I'm on my way to Canaan land. I'm on my way for Canaan land. On my way. hard time but I'm on my way I had a mighty hard time on my way mighty hard time Lord on my way on my way glory hallelujah on my way now if you don't go don't you hinder me if you won't go, please don't hinder me. If you won't go, don't hinder me. On my way, glory, hallelujah, I'm on my way. I had to pray so hard, Lord, I'm on my way. I had to pray so hard. But I'm on my way Had to pray so hard On my way On my way Glory, hallelujah I'm on my way You know I'm falling and rising But I'm on my way You know I'm falling and rising Yes, I'm on my way Falling and rising on my way, on my way, glory, hallelujah, I'm on my way. You know I'm on my way, Lord, oh, to Canaan land. Yes, I'm on my way, to Canaan land, on my way. Mahalia Jackson is on her way. We're going to be on our way in New Haven. 
to San Juan, maybe Havana, maybe North Korea. She's on her way to some higher plane. You know, it's funny, I was listening to that there. We're really talking about that song. It wasn't just the focus of the vocals, but the way the piano player was almost call and response with Mihaly Jackson's um, vocals going up and down as the point of the song and the emotion of the vocals was going up and down. And especially the left hand, the bass stuff he was doing. Anyway, that's, uh, we got another headline here. It's, it's headlines and bass lines. WNHHFM New Haven's home for community radio. Um, a headline in, today, in the Independent you'll find is Library Visitors Seek Amazon Warehouse Work. There are jobs, folks, and people really need some work, especially in the hot weather. they got to put up some pretty tough conditions, but they get a f- good free bus ride out to North Haven or Wallingford. I forget where the warehouse is. The uh, Amazon people were at the library this week signing up people to apply for jobs in the warehouse. And um, the... Uh, some people were happy about that, and I'm glad they were there. Some other people, Tom Breen, got some great interviews at this uh, fair. He's a really great reporter. And um, Hugh Naven had this comment at the bottom. Americans are always buying stuff they don't need in order to impress people who don't like them. Now, that's neither here nor there about who should get a job where, but isn't that interesting? That's what I love about our comments. There's a lot to think about in that sense. I'm just going to read. You know, sometimes people type these angry or intense comments and they're somewhat valuable at times but think about this one there's a lot of that sense (laughs) americans are always buying stuff they don't need in order to impress people who don't like them it suggests that unlike mahalia jackson if you're seeking the material plane might be disappointed sometimes in in tom's story he he talked to people applying for the job want the job and then he talked to Travis Ruffin, who didn't want the job. He was just at the library. He used to work in Windsor for Amazon. Wasn't that, wasn't that happy with it? Here's what he told Tom. They're hiring all these fucking people, he added with a hint of a smile. But my packages still don't. <laughs> Come on, time. Listen to back to Terrence Blanchard with closing theme from the Promised Land collection that was a Nick Slayman's book on the great migration to Chicago from the south it was a wonderful documentary made from it on TV and they had all this great um, music attached to it another headline of the, that prompted very interesting discussion in the independent the other day safe use hearing shines light on overdoses Nora Grace Flood wrote that story I found it very interesting on a lot of levels New Haven's talking about having a safe injection site the way other cities do. They're controversial, and so is the underlying problem, which nobody seems to be successful at addressing, because it is complicated. It's the kind of thing you can get mad, but no one knows the answer to drug addiction, substance abuse. And um, fentanyl's just, by a factor of 10, amped up the challenge of dealing with, with drug addiction and drug abuse. People dying in greater numbers, faster, lives falling apart faster with fentanyl on the street, flooding the streets. So safe injection sites are where you set up part of town where you take all those people away from the downtown and you keep them away from people uh, where they can inject drugs in a safer way. But they can, um, they can get some help if they want it. So they get the drugs out there, clean needles, they won't OD. They'll be supervised. They won't be dangerous, except for the dangers of the drug, which are dangerous. But you'll have help there. So when people are ready for help, and they need to be ready for the help to work, 
there'll be counselors there, some to help them get into rehab, get into a program, maybe find other kinds of help, psychological counseling. So New Haven's talking about having one of these seats these sites it's hard to do because of the politics there are always politicians who will hot dog the issue simplify it cast aspersions for anyone trying to deal with it just so they could try to pick up some votes or in the case of new haven pick up votes they're not going to get anyway tom goldenberg's running for mayor nobody really supports him he hasn't really been here long but he decided maybe i'll get attention if i call the elegant administration evil for even talking about it he made up this whole story about how they were secretly having a site they weren't telling people about. It's true that Mayor Elk is not above that. That's what he did in naming police chief last time around for office. He pretended he didn't know yet when he knew he was springing the Proud Boys into a permanent spot on the police force until we stopped them. But in this case, it was true. And he, there was nothing sneaky going on. We were talking about this. And Goldberg succeeded in getting there to be a public hearing at City Hall where they um, talked about this. And he made all sorts of allegations, aren't true. And uh, but it also was a tough issue. Being safe and sound sites, they have it in Portland, I believe. I believe in a spot in Canada. And overdoses have increased, and people are arguing about why. You know, where they flood the seats with more people come to the towns because the, they won't get arrested for uh, decriminalization, they won't get arrested for having fentanyl, and they will get it more plentifully. And it's true that in most cases, people don't go so far for the help for rehab they'd rather get the drugs if they can that's the nature of addiction if it's easier they'll do it more and there's a whole debate going on about whether is there a better way to do safe injection are decriminalization and safe injection sites being promoted without government spending the real money to make them work which means really having enough housing available for people having enough rehab spots it's tough to get a spot if you're ready for rehab rather than going back to the streets there are limited beds so one argument is we aren't going full-fledged with the most important hardest part of that approach of harm reduction and others say maybe it doesn't work the way that idealistic people think it does work and we need to rethink it and anyway there needs to be intelligent discussion which we're not having thanks to the man running for mayor but here's what our con commenter said rob n said i don't find goldenberg to be a compelling candidate but i agree with his opposition to so-called safe use sites we don't want every hard drug user in new england flocking to new haven our city needs to stop throwing open the welcome mat. Oregon's Measure 110, decriminalizing possession, has been an abject failure with skyrocketing ODs in rural communities. Don't be them. Beaver Hill Trill said, wrote, Why don't we say it's enabling safe use zone instead have it be an intervention zone where they are offered rehab right from that space at that exact time? Like, you want to rehab? Before you change your mind, we're going to get you some help. Any other option is foul. Get out of here with the BS of an option. They want to use, fine. We should not be normalizing that in our city. It'll cause more of an issue as users from other places flock here. We already have the enabling apt foundation. Do not turn New Haven into Portland. William Kurtz wrote, a secret plan to research a practice being used around the country? Give me a goddamn break, Goldenberg. Also, what is the deal? Can any ordinary citizen request a hearing on submission and get one within a week? Because let's be candid with Mr. Goldenberg's polling numbers. He's basically an ordinary citizen. For the record, this isn't about the utility of safe use sites, a topic about which I don't have enough knowledge to comment meaningfully, but rather about the, quote, candidate's attempt to make hay out of it. Justin Higgins writes, We need to be very careful with self-harm programs. In many other cities, especially California, Wisconsin, Washington, Oregon, and state, their safe use drug sites not only encourage increased drug use, but also increase the population of drug addicts, also sometimes increasing the homeless population especially unemployable people consuming more public services requiring higher taxes. 
This snowballs into increases in crime, thus negatively impacting the private sector whose taxes pay for all the other public services, thus lowering tax revenue. The downward spiral begins. Until the medical community and business community have concrete evidence that these programs are helping drug addicts get treatment so they stop doing drugs, we should not consider it. But Whaley4727 writes, even if these sites did not cause a single drug use that entered treatment, they would still be effective because they reduce public injections, needle litter, overdoses, and HIV rates without increasing crime. And this leads to substantial cost savings. So what he's basically saying is until we can make it perfect, it is good to have less out in the open drug use. It's good to have fewer overdoses, even if we haven't solved the big problem. And as someone who's dealt with people very closely with drug addiction, I know how hard this is. And it's really sad that more people now are dying of these opioid overdoses than even in car crashes in America now. And when we look about a lot of our ugly politics, underneath it is this loneliness and addiction search for meaning crisis, as Chris Murphy says. Without getting woo-woo on it, more people are getting addicted faster to drugs and giving up on any kind of hope for a good life and going downhill. And everyone's getting dragged down along too. And they're human beings and we care we need to care about each other. There's no alternative to that. We all lose otherwise. So while I don't have the answer about safe inject sites, though I do believe in creating them for the reason Whaley said, I don't feel I'm an expert anymore than some of the commenters feel either on how to solve drug addiction or deal with it. I do believe that we should care about each other and recognize the trauma and the pain that so many people are feeling in desperate circumstances in the thrall of addiction to fentanyl especially and to the people we've lost i'm going to dedicate this song for bob dylan's oh mercy album called the ring them bells Ring them bells 
for all of us who are left. Ring them bell for the chosen few who will judge the many when the game is through. Ring them bell for the time that flies, for the child that cries when her innocence dies. Ring them bell, St. Catherine, from the top of the room. Ring them from the fortress for the lilies that bloom. For the lines are long and the fighting is strong. And the breaking down the distance between right and wrong. Bring Them Bells, Bob Dylan, from his own Mercy album. I love that song. It's both ridiculous and piercing at the same time, moving. You're listening to uh, Headlines and Baselines on WNHHFM's Dateline New Haven. We're looking at the latest news in the Independent, what commenters had to say about it, and playing some tunes to glide our way heard the weekend in the background we got keith jarrett's cold concert start with part three i know it's kind of a cliche for people of my generation to be playing the cold center but we call concert we always go back to it i love the great story right about you know it's that live performance he did where he just improvised from a single note at the beginning he was feeling under the weather keith jarrett when he went to Köln in germany to do this concert in an opera house in 1975 and he was just you know his head was a different place and as he was starting to play, he heard a chime from the old opera house to tell people it's time to sit down. And he mimicked the sound of that chime with a single note. And that led him off on this new kind of improvisation, a place he hadn't been. That went on for, I'm gonna count up the minutes, 64 minutes, 65 with a beautiful ending. Everyone loves that, that last part. And uh, everyone there was shocked. They were moved. They knew they were hearing something historic. And it really recorded well, too. This is back in 75 where you couldn't always count on that. It's a classic album. Headlines in the New Haven Independent that matter. Oh, they all matter. Ocean sells 15 buildings in seven months for $7.8 million. Let me break down that headline and tell you what Ethan had to say. So Ocean Management's one of the big slumlords in town. They got all those millions of dollars from out of state to buy up a lot of property, a lot of it low income. We pay the rent because they get Section 8 rents often. They put people in crappy conditions. They take all the money, which is partly meant to fix it up, and they do the least possible work to keep it open before the city chases them to try to force them to make repairs. They use that money to buy more and more properties, make more and more profits for their out-of-state investors and really run down our neighborhoods in inexcusable ways. And the uh, city's been frustrated because they they and the other slumlords they're associated with, or no, own more of the low-income property than even the housing authority does. And they all have this exploitive model. So it's news that people have been after New Haven more than other cities, the Tenney Eden Forum, so they sold the building. The city actually brings the owner into court 
which is a long process, hard process. You don't get much money, but they don't like being held into court any more than certain ex-presidents do. And so Ocean has started selling some of the buildings. 15 is a lot of buildings. A lot of these are multifamilies. And um, so that's just, uh, it's newsworthy. We don't know what to hope from it. Will someone else buy the properties and do a better job? We don't know. We hope so. Hard to imagine they could do worse, but you never know. What I liked was Ethan Jr. T's comments, because a commenter often will bring up a part of the story you hadn't thought about. It's not the main point, but they're smart. They say something incisive. Here's what Ethan wrote. I crunched some numbers here just for fun. The average sale price was 33% above the city appraised value. That's some very deficient appraising. That's an old story that Tom Breener wrote the story. He's also written about a lot. Just every time people sell properties in New Haven, if they're out-of-town slumlords or if they have luxury properties, they sell it for a lot more money than the city says it's worth and we tax them. Why does that matter? It's a little complicated. But if a house, if we're not taxing people at what the properties are worth, then we're not getting as much tax money as we can get. Now, if that happens once in a while, that's the luck of the draw. Property values change. There are quirks to each sale. But this has been going on for years now where the people who are exploiting New Haven most are getting the most money in profit while being taxed the least, so we have to make it up. That's terrible policy. And the mayor of our city says just because other cities have the same problem, they haven't re-examined how they appraise property because it's an industry, an industry that's influenced by the people they supposedly regulate. And people, an industry that's good, the appraising industry, public appraisals, they're obviously concerned about lawsuits. You want to be ready. So rather than try to take leadership to protect our cities from these vultures and improve our neighborhoods from a real cause of blight and disorder that never gets talked about because it's too complicated, our city officials throw up their hands and say, nothing we can do about it. Show me how to do it better or we're not going to do anything about it. Not even trying. Do they care or do they just care about the politics? Well, Keith Jarrett's, uh, we're going to turn up a little more of um, Keith Jarrett's Cone concert here on Dateline, Headlines, and Baselines.
listening to Keith Jarrett's Calm Concert on WNHHFM's Headlines and Baselines. I'm Paul Bass, inviting you to look behind the headlines that make our community tick. New Haven Independent Headlines. Here was one headline we had, a story that Laura Gillespie broke. City Eyes Hotel to Homeless Shelter Conversion. So there's a hotel that sometimes, one of the places a lot of times people are put up there who are low income already. A Days Inn Hotel, 57 rooms, right by I-91 up in the uh, Bishop Woods uh, area of town near the old city, one, two, three, four. And the city's looking to turn it into a homeless facility for both families and individuals where they get their own rooms. And that was something we did during the pandemic when we had our five minutes of socialism that even Republicans supported where we actually help each other and spend money to make everyone stronger and have a better functioning society. That was one of the ideas, and we did that in New Haven because people weren't going to hotels, so we used them for the homeless, and it actually was a good idea. And now, you know, we got it. We got our hangover from being human beings and went back to, in our post-pandemic, uh, hating each other again and not really doing anything to solve problems to government. But New Haven, we're going to do that with this idea. Here's some comments from our readers. Lear Trestman, love it! One exclamation point. If only there were bike lanes or even a sidewalk so people without a car could get there. Or to the Walmart across the street. <clears throat> as if there are six, as it is, there are six lanes for cars. So they should be able to find the room somewhere for the 30% of New Haven households that don't own a car. And unhosed folks, unhoused folks that don't have a car. You know, it's an interesting comment because that is not a human scale place. It, it feels more like the strip of the suburbs when you go out there. That's one of the reasons they're not going to be impacting a neighbor. There's a development, lower income housing, but market housing behind it. But in general, it's that like big store outlet strip with fast moving cars. Like, you'd, you know, when, you're, when I've ridden my bike there, I haven't felt super safe. I'm very careful going across. So on the one hand, that's why putting it there, I think will not cause the kind of concern you get elsewhere. But on the other hand, makes it harder for the people who are there. Although there is the uh, Walmart across the street if they can get there. And that's what I love about our competitors. They bring up stuff that you don't think about when you read the headline first off. And it's thoughtful. Heather C., she wrote, if they go through with this idea, they need to put in a better pedestrian park, crosswalk with crossing lights so the residents can get safely across the street to bus stop Walmarts and McDonald's. The city also should put in sidewalks in the hotel of the street, definitely, to access the bus stop and shops nearby without walking in that busy street. If they allow pets, they will need to put in a fenced dog run with trash cans for cleaning up after the dogs. I hope that the hotel shelter will not have curfews to allow for residents to work evening and overnight shifts at area businesses. Heather, you're thinking this out. Way to go. That's got to be a help to policymakers as long as they're not defensive like the person who's in charge of the policymakers. The ability for shelter residents to take a job working hours that employers find hard to fill will open up many more job opportunities for residents. This will make it easier for them to afford to transition to more permanent housing. Kevin McCarthy is always thinking of stuff, right? Citing this type of facility will be a challenge. This may be the least bad option, but there is limited bus service to the area, and crossing Route 80 as a pedestrian is literally taking your life into your hands. A friend of mine was killed doing so. Whoa, that's sad. At a minimum, if the city proceeds with the project, you should prioritize Route 80 in the traffic calming initiatives. Well, again... Those are great policy questions. Love our readers, love our reporters, love the way this is all laid out. And you know, for the people 
you know heather talks about how easy if you just let them work those late sh uh, shift hours she's so right that that's where jobs are obviously people in homeless situations not always so easy to say here's a job and they're gonna show up that same night if they're also wrestling with other challenges like drug drug addiction or mental health worries or just the spiraling pressures of poverty one on the other so you got to do it no question but sometimes as slave cleave says in this song in another context people just kind of feel like they're still fighting this last war hard times coming home now can't get your feet on the ground Got some issues and no one wants you around Barely sleeping and you can't get through to VA on the phone No one's hiring and no one wants to give you a go And everyone else is carrying on just like they've always done before You've been home for a couple of years now, buddy, but you're still fighting the war Flashback to Fallujah Lost another best friend Three tours of duty and you're wondering when it's all gonna end Bodies broken and bone shattered Blood and dust in your mouth Getting weary but you're running with the few and the proud Sometimes you wonder why you went You never wonder what you stayed on for You've been home for a couple of years now, buddy, but you're still fighting the war. Men go off to war for a hundred reasons. Are they all come home with the same demons? Some you can keep at bay for a while, some will pin you to the floor. You've been home for a couple of years now, buddy, but you're still fighting the war. The bedspread is fraying, faded and tearing apart. Two strangers holding each other in the dark. Tell me, what were you dreaming? How did you think it would end? Broken dishes and slamming doors You've been home for a couple of years now, buddy But you're still fighting the war Slade Cleave still fighting the war from his 2013 release. Still fighting the war. In, right when that came out, he came to Cafe 9. He's not from around here. He's a national act. And the, you heard that, uh, the great um, guitar playing on that one. And uh, I remember that. I'm not going to remember that concert. He really had a lot of passion. You know, when they first when they first put out a song that they believe in so much, they sing it with so much gusto, and that was still when it, the uh, impacts of the um, Iraq war were very much in people's 
consciousness, the forever wars we have with uh, people sent off. We don't because there's not a draft. We don't think about the lives that are impacted permanently, and they come back with the same demons, as he said. And those same demons are a factor in the issues we deal with every day in New Haven about housing and addiction. Well, another headline in the New Haven Independent: Wanted new Hill House principal. So Mark Sweeten has been the principal of Hill House for a year. He came in when there was confusion because another principal was leaving. He only lasted a year. There was confusing at Wilbur Cross, our other main big high school in New Haven. When they also went through two principals after having a long-term principal they really liked. And Sweeting from the beginning had some controversies. It's a tough job. Principals don't often last long. Pressures of the pandemic added to the challenges of urban high schools. So without getting into it, I'm going to agree with what City Pride said. City Pride 203 commenting on the story wrote, I truly wish him the best. There's a pattern of staff feeling overwhelmed and unsupported by the chain of command. I would love for an outsider to really examine the facts regarding the truancy rates. My personal belief is that the school adjusted if that the school adjusted their daily schedule, making homeroom later in the day, so that students are able to check in during that brief 15-minute period and continue to walk right out the building. I've been told that individual class attendance is severely low. Graduation rates are low and grades are low. The school is not equipped with enough security personnel. We know about a lot of fights there. And last year, there was an alarming number of permanent substitutes. We've heard about that too. Not certified to touch, teach. That's no one's fault, by the way. It's got to do better in getting permanent teachers. Under these circumstances, how can we blame anyone for feeling defeated? He's definitely witty and solution-based, but I wish there were an exit interview. Well, he didn't want to talk. That's why I said he pride. Requesting reasoning for staff departures across the board. And as we said, there are challenges. Some headlines are not great. And then there are other headlines, like Wilbercross has a principal's really doing it, digging in. Matthew Brown, now I've been there a couple of years, came back to the district after we lost them when he ran a smaller high school in the community. And... He's all over the growing Latino population and new kind of classes and programs for people, having staff step up on that score, and just being on top of the challenges of the school with all the new students coming in all the time. And there's a real feeling that the place is being run and people are engaged. So the news media, including us, we like to lead with what we should worry about. But that's been true since the beginning of time. There are also just as many things or more to celebrate without closing our eyes. What? Now, there's been one big headline, folks. Not in the Independent, but every other news outlet. That's all we see. There's a certain headline, a certain story right now that is 24-7 in the news cycle. Everybody's got something to say about it. It's a big deal. It involves someone I can't stand looking at, but it's in the news all the time. And I'll tell you what. I'm going to say nothing about this story. I'm not even going to mention the name of he who shall not be named. Instead... I would like to dedicate the following song by Blind Lemon Jefferson to the man who is dominating our news cycle right now. Blind Lemon Jefferson singing Penitentiary Blues. Go to 
Blues. I send that one out to the number one newsmaker in America with fond hopes that that song will inspire thoughts of what is to come. Thanks for joining me today on Headlines at Baselines on New Haven's Dateline New Haven. Thanks for reading The Independent. Thanks for listening to WNHH. And thanks to Harry Droz who will never be penitentiary bound, but will always be working the controls and getting us on so many platforms in the multiverse. The best producer in the business. We're going to take it out with the Afro-Semitic experience performing I Wish I Knew How It Would Feel to Be Free from the group CD, A Plea for Peace. This is Paul Bass inviting you to fly free with us all day, all night all weekend long at WNHH New Haven's home for community radio. Mm-hmm.